Because we're including all of this. <laughs> we're definitely not including any of this. <laughs> Luckily, I have initial edit power. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. I find it quite amusing when we have like some total aside, obviously not going to get included, and then you leave in little bits of it. As you may know. Me? Me personally or me, the generic stand-in for the listener? Mm, let's go with you personally. Okay. Me As you I'll try, to, I'll try to think like I would think. Uh, think like you. Imagine your arc, Devins. Yeah, yeah. I'll try. Uh, it's hard. Uh, as you may know, the queen is now 93 years old. She's very old. I knew she was very old. I didn't know she was 93 specifically. She, we don't really follow the queen here. Well, it's something, you know... We could get into how Canada does or doesn't follow the Queen. It's definitely not to the level that she's followed in the UK, but, you know, she's part of our culture. There's levels. Um, And she's 93. And uh, there's a fact that I don't know if it qualifies as fun, but to me it's super fascinating. Uh, Don't forget, Ellen, not all all fun facts are fun. Not all fun facts are fun. Um, But I think this one is interesting. So, fact... (laughs) <laughs> the eventual death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth uh, II will, all told, cost billions of dollars, or pounds, if you will. Okay, yeah. I think I read an article about this a few years ago. Is that where you're Yeah, this is something that from? there's periodic articles kind of written about because it is fascinating. Um, it is very interesting. The number yeah. of things that have to happen and change, or whether or not they have to, could be argued, but that will happen and change when the monarch changes over uh, kind of blew me away. So there's this overall plan called Operation London Bridge, uh, which is uh, the name comes from two things. One is the uh, idea that if there's a bridge from the uh, death of the monarch to the new one being crowned, and that kind of, you know, especially at one time that was always a dangerous time, that there is invites... Uh, unrest and people to question the crown and potential usurpers, as we've seen in Game of Thrones, how that can all <laughs> get very complicated. Uh, nowadays, it's probably going to be a lot more chill than it would have once been. Um, but that bridge time is is taken very seriously. Um, and in the specific case of Queen Elizabeth II, the code name that they use to refer to her death uh, is London Bridge Has Fallen. Although now that that has leaked, there is speculation that they have now a new code name. Um, but supposedly that's like the code name to like say to be able to communicate this because even all the way down to how is the information spread and disseminated that she has died is planned out from person to person. The specific person who is responsible for calling the specific person on a specific secure phone line and then how that information spreads from the Queen's secretary to the uh, prime minister of the uk to the foreign office to the prime ministers of the various commonwealth countries and like all the stages to all the way to the bbc and then actually announcing it is like all totally planned out to the point that the bbc has like they have a periodically rehearsed like presentation like a plan of how they like reroute all the bbc stations because it's like bbc two three like multiple bbcs they all rewrote to bbc one and then they use like the system that they use if there's like a war was declared or like they can override everything basically to change the entire station into 24-hour news about this thing they have clothing on hand at the bbc that's like somber clothing specifically reserved for the occasion like it's it's a like an entire like it's beyond a fire drill it's like a a whole thing apparently 
Let me ask you this about what you're what we're actually talking uh-huh. about. A lot of so they use HRH on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Her Royal Highness. Yeah. I thought that was or HRM. Is that Her Royal Majesty? Majesty? Yeah. I thought that was specifically because it could be her or his and they wouldn't have to like re-engrave everything. Oh, yeah, actually that makes a lot of sense. A lot of her stuff yeah. is actually uh engraved E to R like Elizabeth the 2nd Regina. Um so that doesn't work for that, but anything they have uh H R H or H R M search E to R. If you search E two R on like at least on DuckDuckGo, it brings up the little box with her info. So that's yeah, that's pretty. They know what you mean. Yeah, E two R. Yeah, but that's like her personal seal and all of that stuff. Anything where um, so the things that need to change, they need to update insignias, logos, flags, the national anthem, which is they say God save the Queen. They have to update that. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, passports, yeah. stamps, coins, yeah. bills, and that's like across the United Kingdom, obviously. But there are 16 Commonwealth countries that have Queen Elizabeth II as the head of state, including Canada, obviously, but also like Australia, Jamaica, New Zealand. I thought she was Barbados. the actual Queen of Canada. Yeah, actually, that's a that's something that I sort of didn't really know until I was doing the research on this. Is that she is not the Queen? of canada because she is the queen of the united kingdom or of england she's the queen of canada directly and independently um yeah it's a separate thing she's also the queen of canada all the way down to the fact that she has like a royal coat of arms like her royal coat of arms that's on my passport is the canadian coat of arms for the queen and it has uh like maple leaves and it has various elements that evoke its canadianness even though at first glance it's like oh yeah you know it's like the queen's coat of arms but it is the queen of canada's coat of arms right but the other one has the english and scottish flags yes and actually ours has english and scottish flags but it also has fleur-de-lis uh uh, as well and uh an irish um as well so it's oh yeah the guinness symbol yeah the the, the harp the, the, the guinness symbol as they refer to it uh as, they, as i'm sure they would love to have me refer to yeah it. apologies to the great the great irish state irish northern irish uh, yeah it would be northern people. ireland in this case uh so they got to change a lot of stuff uh, and so okay. apparently this is like already sort of relatively planned for, or at least estimated out as costing right. uh, billions of dollars. But something I hadn't fully thought through until I was reading about this is that beyond all of the all the coins and everything that they need to change across all these countries, there's also, uh, especially in the UK, it is projected or expected to be uh, such an emotional event for the people that it will be disruptive to commerce. Yeah, basically, they think people are going to not know how to function, and it's going to be like your parent, like everyone's parent died. Yeah, yeah, or at least like a like a like a family, uh, somebody that was in your family, right? And so because right. she's been queen for sixty seven years. Yeah, yeah, and it's like almost everyone's as long as they can remember, or as as long as they have cared, she has been the queen. She's like by a decent amount the longest reigning, um, and so they there'll be three national holidays. The, her, the day of her death will be like basically, okay, everyone just buggers off. Like no one's going to be really, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some people have to like keep driving the buses or whatever. Uh, but then also her funeral and the coronation day. 
will be national holidays, at least in the, U- the UK. Um, and historically, uh, Coronation Day has been a national holiday in Canada. I would be sort of surprised if it was this time around, but I also wouldn't be like, I don't know. That would be it would be kind of strange, but like historically, it would, has been in the Commonwealth um, countries. Uh, but then also, there's just like this sort of, and to some degree, you see this occasionally. Like 9/11 is an extreme example of like a country just kind of going back on its heels and sort of, you know, being emotionally absorbed in something, which is something that um, they, they they project or predict um, that it'll be the most disruptive event in Britain since World War II in terms of just like people just kind of being, you know, just, just kind of shaken by it. Which is something I. I when I was first reading, I was felt like that seems very silly and almost kind of, I don't know, not to say immature, but like felt a little bit immature. But the more I was kind of reading about it and thinking about it and thinking about the what the queen represents in terms of a figure of stability that that takes her her job or her job as a head of state very seriously and professionally uh and is very stable and you know some of the characters that are around right now i was like you know what i think i was able to get kind of sentimental about it even though she has no actual power or importance in terms of decision making but yeah i've thought about before like how how it would have been to be in the u.s when fdr died who is like our longest serving president right. and the last one who could ever even serve that long unless, <laughs> unless something changes. But he, he was elected to four terms for president. He died early into the fourth term. So he was president for like 12 years. Right. Right. Like, and so that means that if you were a 20 year old in 1945, he was the only president you'd ever known. Yeah. And during some really major changes in the country. Yeah. Which to say that, you know, it, the UK has gone under major changes uh, since the 1950s is pretty yeah. is also very mm-hmm. accurate yeah so i just think it, it it must have been like like a the furniture is suddenly different or something you know I, the, the the entire stability of your of your world would be kind of thrown into chaos and i mean the other thing too is that elizabeth ii like she's beloved yes she's been around forever and she's absolutely beloved and so and her father was also pretty beloved so it's like i mean i don't think that Obviously, her son is not going to be king for sixty-seven years. One would assume. No, that's extremely but unlikely. Even if, he, even if he was, I don't think it would be the same. Like, because he's not a particularly like the next one. Presuming that that he only reigns for a you know reasonably short amount of time, I think that his son will be the next sort of ruler of England who is who is beloved. Yeah, and he already is beloved. Mm. It's definitely a potentially disruptive thing you know, to the monarchy and the objectively ridiculous place that it has in countries like Canada and the United Kingdom, where on paper, the queen has the authority to make, change any law, do anything, disband the government, declare war, like do anything. But then we, but it's like, oh, but in practice, the parliament would just amend the law and the constitution if she started doing that and they would just ignore her. But on paper, it's like, no, but actually, like, there's, if you read things about the history of Canada and how, like, in 1982, we became actually completely 100% sovereign from, from the UK because there's technically still uh, one remaining thing, which was that Canada needed uh, the—we didn't—hadn't ha- actually figured out a process for amending our constitution without the UK being the final stamp of approval on it. So we weren't fully hmm. sovereign. Uh, but in those conversations, the Queen apparently had— some diplomatic even though she was you know as you would imagine if you know anything about uh, queen elizabeth the second she was very diplomatic and restrained in her 
involvement in those conversations and discussions, but apparently, uh, you know, was a voice of wisdom and helped kind of try and work out, work through that process, um, as opposed to just kind of just sitting there and doing whatever she does in Buckingham Palace and then stamping the thing when, as she's required to do, <laughs> or as we assume that Being she will do. one of the richest people in the world. I yeah, think. yeah. Or, I mean, it, this thing of the queen being one of the richest people in the world is sort of, like, she's one of the richest people in the world by rank, like, you know, top 10,000 or something like that. But the scale of her wealth is not even close to... Uh, the modern like tech billionaires and things like that think that the relative wealth uh, in the uh, sort of like income inequality extremes has just gotten worse and worse and worse in uh, the world over the last decades. Uh, so the extreme case of the monarch used to be like the, you know, the, the rich, and, and is and still in some countries, some countries, the monarchs are the richest people in the world. And now like the queen is just fabulously and ridiculously rich, but like, my sense is that it's more on the order of uh, A-list movie Hollywood actor rich and not like Jeff Bezos rich. Well, it depends on if you're talking about her sort of, shall we say, personal fortune as opposed to the fortune held by the crown. Yeah, like the idea which of... Which is like half of the land in England or something. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, like, and like <laughs> if, the, the, if the, the monarchy owns the literal crown, like the crown jewels, which are housed in a museum that the public can go see but that the crown like owns it uh and like the queen could like in theory sell them uh then does does she have that wealth or whatever but that's in 2015 2016 the crown estate's property evaluation was 12 billion pounds yeah which you know is a pretty good <laughs> it's a pretty good property trust you know as far as those things yeah. go yeah i don't know i don't know how it all adds up and and i, I don't even know if everyone knows right like it's it's somewhat somewhat quiet. yeah well i mean obviously they're the monarchy the last 100 years or really the monarchy since democracy has started to and has continued to become the de facto way that uh the united kingdom and canada and commonwealth runs the monarchy's game has been entirely how do we maintain as much of our status as we can but no more <laughs> right right not enough to get them to kick us out yeah because ultimately it's a luxury. Yeah. Right. Like there's no, absolutely no reason in, in this point in time for there to be a monarchy in England, except that it, it sort of makes them feel like they all live in a fairyland. And it makes us cool. feel fancy. And I mean, the yeah. like there are some people who feel very strongly about uh, both for and against the monarchy, but the people who feel very strongly for it often will make uh, sometimes depending on how things are going arguments that feel like they could have some logic behind them around the idea of, it being a stabilizing influence when you have governments that are over the years, uh, maybe populist or things like that, that the idea that, well, but actually, technically, it's this very stable, uh, you know, very constitutionally minded force that actually, in theory, holds the power, even if in a struggle uh, showdown that the uh, political chaos would actually overpower the the power of the monarchy that even just having to go to that step that is like if you did this really really extreme thing then queen elizabeth ii would say this for the first time in 300 years the the crown is saying no you cannot do this you know and, and that they would have to overrule her and kick her out would be just that little bit extra stability for the worst case scenario 
uh, the little if you imagine like the little plastic cover over the red button that causes the the thing to self-destruct it's like that <laughs> yeah sure um which is a yeah and people like it which is you know for better or worse yeah yeah um so i just kind of thought that that was interesting like something an aspect i hadn't really i'd never really paid much detailed attention to the you know the relationship of of the monarchy to canada and specifically that kind of the idea that the my entire life and that everything has all been about having a queen and it's not that we have a queen it's that we have a monarch and changing it is actually a lot of work yeah let's hope it doesn't happen soon yeah of course of course so that's my fact that may not be fun but it's kind of i thought i thought it was interesting (laughs) well heading back to the fun zone (laughs) what are you talking about that was super fun (laughs) fun fact Yinzers are the speakers of a specific dialect of American English that is primarily native to Western Pennsylvania, centered on Pittsburgh. Mm, yeah, so this comes. This is actually a bit of follow up that snuck into the main part of the show. Yeah, so I'm I'm turning follow up into a fo- into a fun fact. So that uh, crafty, I know. So th- this follow up comes from a friend of the show, Marco Arment, who apparently used to live in Pittsburgh. And heard me say on last on the last episode that that there were various regional ways to solve the lack of second person plural in English, and that the most common ones are y'all, you guys, and then I believe I said yinzer. Now, what I meant was yins, which is the actual second person plural form in Pittsburghese, which is the dialect of American English spoken in and around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the people who speak it are referred to as Yinzers, not the, not, that is not their word for others. Which I feel bad about because I definitely, when you said Yinzers, I thought, oh, well, that must just be some, uh, like, non-gendered neologism that uh, people have invented, like Zer or Zem or one of these, and I just felt bad for not knowing about it, so I didn't call you on, like, what uh yinzers that's what somebody <laughs> says is a way to say yeah. yeah uh but yins is just about as weird so i'm curious to learn more about this uh hidden english dialect right so so i, I decided i wanted to dive a little bit a little bit deeper into this into this dialect i'm sending you a link by the way that you'll need to open it at some point during this conversation western pennsylvania english on wikipedia which of course we will include in the show notes yes so so this dialect, this this Pittsburghese dialect, exists because of a historical mixture of people who spoke Scots-Irish, Pennsylvania-German, Polish, Ukrainian, and Croatian. And the various words and sounds from those different languages kind of mixed to create this very specific regional dialect that does not exist anywhere else in the world and has a particular sound structure, a particular grammar structure, and their own distinct vocabulary. So... It, the dialect features a bunch of interesting linguistic features, but maybe my favorite and the one that you hear the most is something called monothongization. Monothongization. Yeah, well, there's a PH in there, so I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but it's like diphthong, so I guess it's monothongization probably. <laughs> so the, the, monothongization, which I cannot say enough, that's such a fun word to say, is a process where a gliding vowel becomes a fixed vowel. And what that means is that you take a, a vowel sound that involves moving your tongue as you're saying it and change it to one that your tongue stays fixed when you say. So in this case, the vowel sound for 
ow, like in house, ow, house, becomes ah. So house becomes has. Downtown becomes dantan. Mm, okay. And that is one of the major distinguishing characteristics of Pittsburghese is that they pronounce all of their ows as ahs. Okay. Okay. So do we are we going to be able to link up some good uh, like Pittsburgh accent? Oh yeah, yes. Clips, yes. audio clips. I got you. Yeah, no. So actually, there's a YouTube video I really like that I will put in the show. Excellent. Notes. I like that in this Wikipedia article they have a uh, a bar, the taste of Dantan, and and the sign says Dantan like instead of downtown, <laughs> uh, and it's like a cocktail. Dantan, yeah. not Dantan. Ghost Steelers, Dantan. Dantan. Um, well, it's actually Ghost Stillers because right. this is uh, <laughs> it's Pittsburgh. Uh, again, Pittsburgh. Uh, so, that's great. So I wanted to talk about, we'll go through some of these vocabulary changes, but I want to talk about some of the grammar changes. Okay. So they have on this list on Wikipedia, they mention using all to mean all gone. So that's kind of like easy, right? The, the butter's all, meaning the butter's all gone. Right. Just emitting a word. Yeah. Tire pressure's all to use uh, something dear to my heart. Yeah, okay. Uh, they all, <laughs> I feel like I could absorb that pretty easily. Yeah. Then they have uh, any more, which apparently means these days. So mm. uh, the example sentence is, I wear these shoes a lot anymore. I wear these shoes a lot anymore. <laughs> yeah, which means I wear these shoes a lot these days. Uh, no. I say, I'm say i going to say thumbs down on that one. <laughs> yeah. I do not approve. It, 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 it inverts the normal negative use, right? It's a positive version of any more, which is really very, very interesting. They also apparently reverse leave and let. So they'll say, like, leave him go outside, which I kind of like that one. That one makes sense. And let the book on the table, which I don't know. Maybe because I watched The Parent Trap a lot as a kid and they speak in that mid-Atlantic accent. I already, like, like was familiar with let used in that way. Um, that's a little odd to me, but I think I'll let it pass. I, of course, am the judge and final arbiter of accents, which we established in previous episodes. Yeah. Of course, yeah. At the end of this, we will decide. Yeah, I will write them a sternly worded letter. Continue to, to talk. <laughs> right, exactly. So then they have need and want as past participles. So the car needs washed. The cat wants petting. I do that. The car needs washed. The car... Why do you do that? Um, well, my, my mom's parents are from Manchester. And my wife's parents are from Glasgow. So in between the two of those, I believe that would be where... I don't do it always, but I definitely... I'm more likely to do it at home when it's just like yeah, a the kind floor of a casual... Needs cleaning. The floor cleaning. Yeah, the floor needs swept. Uh, I said it to... I guess it'd be swept or cleaned. Cleaning would not be right. That would be what I do now. Yeah, my... Yeah, floor needs cleaning would be an actual... Right. So the, the, the point here is to specify the future result as what is needing to be happened. So it needs to be clean. Definitely I, today I insisted to my three-year-old that her hands need washed. Wow. So she's going she's gonna to say these things. Maybe. Well, they say it, like, what she will start doing is probably picking it up. But what happens often is that when you go to grade school, then your accent just gets demolished by whatever your local. Yeah. Like my wife had a Scottish accent until she was five. And they have little videos of, of her in her Glaswegian four-year-old. Aww. And then it's just gone. And she can barely even intentionally do it now. I love that accent. It's so great. Much. I lived in Scotland for like a year and it's just such a great accent. It's objectively good. It's so good. So then they will also use whenever to refer to a specific but undefined time. That not that what that is? And an example here would be my friend, whenever he was hungry, he had a burger. That 
Isn't that just normal English? No, no, no. Because it doesn't mean that every time he was hungry, he had a burger. It means that a specific time that he was hungry, he had a burger. But I'm not telling you what time it is. So, like, if someone was telling a story, like, uh, I went down to the train platform, and whenever the train got into the station, I got on, and it was really crowded, and that's just like... So, yeah. So, a good example would be something like, my son, whenever he was born, he weighed eight pounds. <laughs> whenever whenever he was born. You know, like... Whenever that was. Like, we don't know. Either, I couldn't look it either up. Either whenever we don't know. I don't know his know. birthday. <laughs> or he periodically, <laughs> every once in a while, he's born, and right. he's typically eight pounds on those times that he's born. Okay. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's... Those are some grammar features. Then there's a long list on here, and there are a lot more, and a bunch of them are in that YouTube video that I'll link. But there's a bunch of vocabulary here, some of which does not seem that crazy to me, and some of which is like, you just never heard it. Yeah, some of the stuff is just like slippy means slippery. Like, that's just... Right, not- or like babushka. A lot of places use babushka. Yeah. But to 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 neb, which means to pry into a conversation or argument intrusively or impertinently. In other words, to be nosy. I enjoy a lot of dialects have uh, words that involve like social things like that, like like snooping on people or being snoopy or neighbor kind of gossip and things like that. I enjoy that they sometimes have more words for that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know what that means, yeah. but I like neb out, meaning I'm going to mind my own business. I'll neb out. I'm going to not. I'm going to not neb. Basically, yeah, I will not neb. I'll neb out. Okay, I like this one. <laughs> dippy, appropriate for dipping into, such as gravy. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a real dippy gravy. Yeah, like like, just... hey, that coffee is it dippy? You dipping? <laughs> like, I liked. <laughs> oh man, I liked carbon oil instead of kerosene because it seemed very good. I mean, that just seems much true. more honest. Uh, Jimmy's, <laughs> Jimmy's uh, is a word for sprinkles. So you could order a donut, get some jimmies yeah, on there. You get a couple, put some jimmies on. That's totally, that's totally cromulent. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like each time we review a dialect, we have to adopt one. And I'm going to, I'm going to take jimmies, jimmies for, is you? for sprinkles. Yeah. And I already okay. have the, the one do? that the floor needs swept. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. I'm in yeah. pretty good shape. Uh, trick as a job shift. That was new to me. A trick. Like. I'm going to work a trick. We're going to trick Yeah. Tonight. Well, I mean, that would be potentially confusing in some Very. context. Yeah. So you have to be a little. <laughs> Apparently there's uh this is not on this list, but in the video, they talk about how ot meaning out is like, you know, I'm going out. But if you're going ot ot, it means like you're going out, like you're doing something fancy. The details are interesting. You know, you're maybe dressed up like I'm going ot ot. I've heard this one, berm, to mean the edge of the road. I think that just may be a British thing. Berm. Yeah, it could be. A lot of these things come from, you know, that Scots-Irish. Or so. buggy is a shopping cart. That's an, I've heard that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Not not meaning and all that. Like, yeah, you know, I'm going to the store and not, uh, you know, I don't know how. I don't even know how to use that, but I think I like that. Hmm. Oh, uh, no, no. Well, no, it said here, it says anat. Like, it's like. It's oh, like nat. An, it's like a, anat. It's, it's a con- conversation of and that. Of and all that. Yeah. Or and that, yeah, in that, like, yeah, I, I got, I got, I got the food you rec- you asked for, and not, yeah, I don't know, I just don't know how to use it. I, I don't feel like I've got a good sense for it. Yeah, and that's, but you just, you just kind of experiment. You just, that's what, yeah, you play around over the episodes of Fun Fact over the next, like, you know, ten, 
40, 100 episodes, we're just going to accumulate pieces of dialect and use them not necessarily the way that they were used, but the way that we think it would be fun if they were used. And in order to actually understand the show that way, that's really going to incentivize people to go back to the beginning and not just understand all of the in-jokes and stuff, but just the the literal words we use. The little words. Well, let me ask you this. Did you put a gum band on your hat? Because I don't want a grinny getting in there. I, luckily, I I did. I did. Yeah. Did I did I win or is, is that bad? If I, was that problematic? I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm a little worried now. We'll leave that as an, ex, as an exercise to the listener. Oh, man. Fun fact. If you just put salt and pepper on broccoli and steam it, it is amazing. Huh. This feels like we're going to get some sort of soap type no, this is just true. <laughs> okay. So now, now so that, I'm not claiming. Is this a, is this a fact? <laughs> I'm not claiming the only way to cook broccoli is to put salt and pepper on a steam. I'm not claiming it's the best way to cook broccoli. I'm just saying if you're making some food and you're thinking there's not a lot of green on this plate, I have some broccoli. Yeah. I have salt and pepper. Yeah, I've got salt. I can just I've got pepper. steam that, put some salt and pepper yeah. on it, put that on the back, do whatever else I'm making. Put the broccoli on the plate, and uh, it seemed because for broccoli, you know, broccoli's not necessarily wasn't my go-to as a thing. I'm just going to put on the plate. I would use it as an I love broccoli. Put cheese on it. I actually do like it, but it always felt like I had to do something to it. Um, but okay. if you put salt and pepper on it and steam it, then it tastes to me like something different than just like just the cooked broccoli. So I'm going to challenge the notion that this is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> okay well you'd be wrong but you can I'll, I'll hear you out i would refer to this as an opinion but that doesn't mean it's not interesting and i do like salt and pepper on things and i do like steamed vegetables and i do like broccoli so it does seem like it would be a nice match so if you if you hate broccoli i'm not saying you will suddenly love it from this you're not saying you won't though but you might, and you should try it. That's a fact. And another fact yeah. is there, that I haven't fully scientifically rigorously tested. Maybe there'll be some follow-up. But I bet, considering how much better uh, broccoli is than I would expect if you just put salt and pepper on it and steam it, that there's probably other vegetables you could do the same thing to. That maybe you're overthinking your vegetables or not including them as much as you could in some of your, your meals because you're like, oh, yeah, and then I have to do a whole other thing. When when half of our audience complains about their sodium levels, how much salt do you think I'm putting on this product? Uh, and you know, have doctors' notes blaming us, then we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna be in big trouble. And then I will. I will take personal responsibility for everybody. I think you're putting a lot of salt. <laughs> I feel. I feel like. I feel like it's it's just the finest dusting. The finest. Do you do you use a fancy salt? I, I've been starting to exp- not. I wouldn't say I'm all the way up to fancy salts, but it's just in the last year that I discovered. That kosher salt that you there's sometimes worth using beyond just the occasionally a recipe says use kosher salt because it was always just I would use t- plain table salt or typical table salt unless a recipe asked for kosher salt. But then I read that uh, fun fact kosher salt is easier to spread more evenly, which I would think would be the opposite. I would think that kosher salt would 
because kosher salt is the big chunkier salt. Uh, obviously, there's a variety of sizes of chunkiness. But the chunkier salt, supposedly, if you just pinch it in between your fingers and try to dust it on something, you're going to get a more even coating than if you use the little table salt, uh, supposedly. Uh, and so uh, chefs recommended that. And so uh, I actually use it more for that. So I'm just in the beginning of the fancy salt train. My parents brought back a Tasmanian pepper salt when they went to Tasmania, which as far as they were able to tell is not available outside of Tasmania. And I have been hoarding this because it is so delicious that I will put like, like I'm very careful about what I put this salt on. It's this mm. pepper salt. Cause it's strategic. It so, salt. so good, but it is. Yeah. But it's already a mixture of pepper and salt. So I don't even need to like, I could take your fun opinion and make a delicious meal with just the broccoli and this pepper salt. I don't even need. Even think it's else. easy to put salt and pepper on broccoli and steam it. It's even easier to put Tasmanian salt pepper on broccoli. <laughs> this is your bonus fun fact. <laughs> and if Fly to Tasmania. Buy some yeah, salt pepper. Broccoli is better. Sub fact, broccoli is better in yeah. Tasmania. I mean, I imagine a lot of things. Because are. they have pepper salt. <laughs> well, I, I think that's great. I think we, you know, people should eat more vegetables. So any way to get them to do that tastily is probably a positive thing just don't use too yeah, much salt. yeah obviously use too much pepper because what what problems i do that think of i mean i'm sure there's a limit but uh i've come to realize that spiciness and so pepper and various things that add spice uh is one of the fairly easy knobs you can use to make something taste better that doesn't have any immediate dietary downside Correct. And hot sauce is a phenomenal way to do that. Right. Uh, and my lever of choice, because I really like spicy food, and rarely do I eat a meal that I do not put some sort of hot sauce or pepper or salt on. And with the hot sauces and stuff, that you, you got to know which sauce for which thing. But it is a wonderful, wonderful lever to be able to pull. I used to kind of roll my eyes at people who just put hot sauce on everything, and I'm like, then everything just always tastes like hot sauce. But you're... The fact that you know salt tastes good, but too much salt is bad for you. Sugar tastes good, but any sugar is bad for you. <laughs> uh, fat tastes good, and oil tastes good, but pretty much any or many and most oils, and definitely in large quantities, are bad for you. But spiciness, unless you have so much that you have some sort of, um, you know, you want to avoid the acid reflux problem. Yeah, the acid reflux. Yeah, there is a limit, uh, but it's a. I think it's a really good uh, strategic flavoring option. So agreed. So pile it on. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> so for me, this whole episode is coming from our friends at ATP. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sister show. Yeah, <laughs> we wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we 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 do have we we do love that show. So my fun fact also requires a little bit of preamble. I was listening to our friends over at Accidental Tech Podcast, and they were discussing on episode 330, A Rotation You Can't Complete. They were discussing like really nerdy details about privilege groups and permissions on Macs and other Unix-based computer systems where they have hey, like... finally, back to our regular topic, Unix-based system permission corner. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you don't need to have any knowledge of what any of this means for what I'm about to say, but the there is a... a a group that you can belong to as a user on a Mac called the wheel group. Okay. And that particular group is a privileged group. And they were wondering where that name comes from. Cause it's kind of a little bit random and, or it seems random. And so they did some, some on the spot searching and what they were able to find was that it comes from the term big wheel, 
which apparently means a person with great power or influence. Yeah, like a toddler uh, that has the the three wheel, the tricycle that has the giant big wheel, the big kid on campus. We all wanted one of those, didn't we? Being children of the 80s. But did you know, though, in very important and relevant side fact, those tricycles are out and now the cool way for toddlers to have bikes is to just have a bike with two wheels but no pedals and then they just roll along they like kick along the ground and then they can learn balance without having the pedals interfering so then when they get big enough for pedals they don't need training wheels i did know that but i don't like to acknowledge that because it makes me sad that there's no more big wheels but anyway so on the show, they immediately concluded that that was a very boring explanation, mm-hmm. which I completely agree with. They were hoping for something juicier as to why that name had been chosen. So completely agree. But it did it did get me kind of curious. And I was starting to wonder, where did the term big wheel come from to mean a person with great power or confidence? Because I just I don't I don't really know that much about that. So that leads me to... Is that, is that as a term you'd heard before this conversation? The idea of like big wheel is somebody that is important? No. Okay. No. But it, it is a term that is said to have existed. It, it, that is said to have existed. So then I, I did some, some sleuthing and now I will tell you, fun fact, it can be very hard to figure out the etymology of a particular idiom. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because <laughs> I, did a, I did a lot of sleuthing. I spent kind of an unreasonable amount of time looking at this and found basically nothing. Right. So it's one of those one website on the internet claims this thing and it's now getting propagated. Right. But if you dig like one layer behind it, it's like, do we know this or did somebody just invent this? Right. So, so there are a variety of explanations about why that user group is called wheel but we're going to stay away from that part of it but i will say there are multiple explanations there as well but specifically with big wheel i was unable to conclusively prove anything but i wanted to talk about some of the things that i encountered as i attempted to do that okay and to be clear this is terminology from the 70s this isn't like why in shakespearean times did he refer to such and such this is something from like modern times computers existed right so the idea here is that someone in the 70s would or or early 80s would have known this term as a common term right yeah so there is some suggestion that maybe big wheel refers to a big wheel of cheese oh geez okay (laughs) (laughs) similar to how some people use big cheese to mean someone successful yeah okay i know big cheese right incidentally my favorite theory as to the etymology of that Okay. Is is this side etymology fact is that it refers to a series of publicity stunts from the early 20th century where huge wheels of cheese would like be on display. And then eventually when like the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota, like come as a tourist attraction, the biggest wheel of cheese. Right. But eventually they would invite someone important to come and cut the cheese. Okay. And one example from a newspaper story in 1911 reads, the cheese will be on an exhibition at the National Dairy Show at Chicago next week. Oh President gosh. Taft will visit the show the morning of Monday, October 30th, and after his address, he'll be invited to cut the big cheese, which will then be distributed in small lots to visitors at the show. Right, so he's the big cheese, the one that gets, okay. Right, uh-huh. so eventually the theory is that it, the person who was cutting the cheese became the big cheese, <laughs> but there are like many, many theories as to the origin of that phrase. Oh, man, so, okay. There are some references to a big wheel of government that go back to at least an article I found in a paper from Sonoma, California in 1872. Okay. Talking about like a Japanese visitor being 
being surprised by some government thing, but understanding that there was a big wheel to government. In the United Kingdom, a big wheel refers to a Ferris wheel. Sure. That's a very literal. Which, those started in 1893 with the original Chicago Ferris wheel, but that does not seem to have anything to do with any of this. Ding-dongs have been marketed as big wheels. Okay. Which apparently was done on the East Coast because of an alternate product called Ring Dings. <laughs> and they did not want to be, you know, mistaken so, for So a, a ding-dong is like just like a wagon wheel, right? I believe so. Like it's just like a... It's like a chocolate puck with stuff inside that's about the size of a bit bigger than uh, a hockey puck. In, in Canada, they are sold as King Don's. Uh, okay, yeah, similar, kind of like a wagon wheel. You know what I mean when I see? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I feel like we're just about at the root of this. <laughs> we're just about down to the bedrock of this fact, right? Not even close. <laughs> There's also big wheel is apparently a term for a Michigan logging wheel. Okay, like a mill, like a wheel of a mill. No, it's it's like a a kind of like a a giant skitter that like helps you oh, okay. carry logs for the 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 logging industry. I'm gonna say maybe not that one. <laughs> <laughs> There's some suggestion that it might refer to the front wheel of a penny farthing bicycle. Okay. And big wheel in front, small wheel behind. But then I don't but, think of that as like a powerful person. I feel like that is a person right. in a very precarious seating position. Right. And 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 most most places will suggest that this term became popular in the 40s and that bicycle was definitely from the 1800s. So Oh, so it was popular like before like the big wheel, the toddler big wheel. Yeah, the toddler big wheel starts in 69. So it was named after the phrase it may have been okay so a big wheel was an important person and then they made a tricycle with a with a large wheel and they're like let's call it big wheel they did yeah that'd be cute okay i saw i saw someone claim that it was due to very fancy people riding in carriages that had bigger wheels than other people's carriages okay okay which seems potentially plausible i mean it's more likely than the mill one i think (laughs) i think so too there's a film from 1949 called the big wheel starring mickey rooney but that seems to have more to do with car racing and the Indianapolis 500. Okay. Yeah. Car mechanics apparently called a person or said a person rolled a big wheel if they had importance and influence. Okay. That sounds related. That sounds like it's part yeah. of it. Yeah. I also saw some suggestion that, w- that it was related to the term big wheeler and dealer, which apparently in and of itself referred to someone who was a heavy better at cards and roulette. Sure. Yeah. Like a roulette wheel. Yeah. And then combining that with the wheel running the car, meaning like that a car runs because of a wheel, that it became a negative and sort of unsavory term in the 40s for someone who was who was unscrupulous. Okay. Wheel and deal does have a bit of negativity still now. Yeah. And then, of course, a big wheel tricycle invented in the 60s could be could be that they got it from that. And and finally, which and this also does not in any way help answer the question, but I enjoyed this. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Good. Okay. <laughs> then I enjoyed this just random anecdote. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, there's another term from the uh, computer science fear called a wheel war. Have you ever heard this? No. So a wheel war, which apparently is an early 80s term from Stanford for students who were in a immature larval phase of their <laughs> administrator privileges oh, on okay. shared computer systems and would attempt to lock each other out as some sort of gamesmanship. But that must have been named because of the user group, not the because other, of right? the user. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely came from Wheel, so it doesn't explain Wheel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Although I totally, as soon as you say that, I'm like, of course people did that. Of course, university students tried to, of course they did. with semi-admin prison villages, would try to get each other locked out. Yeah, apparently it sometimes led to inadvertent problems for non. Of course it did. Which of course, of course it, did. it did. How good <laughs> so, it not am. So, so what I want to do now is say that I want to admit that I do not know <laughs> which, if any, of these terms is the actual root of the term big wheel. So, if anyone out there has any more big wheel related information, please tweet at Fun Fact FM on Twitter. <laughs> And let me know because I want to dig deeper. I was doing searches like this got to the point where I was like searching. Well, you got to watch the movie. I do need to watch that Mickey Ro- incredibly important research Mickey uh, Rooney movie. But I was like at the point where I was ser- searching like, you know, Google books and the New York Times archives and like, you know, magazine articles going back in California to the 1800s and stuff. Really, really wanted to try to nail this, nail this down. And uh, yeah, I do not know. Etymologies are hard. So, was there a fact? <laughs> well, the fact... I mean, there were facts, but was there like a... Was there a headline fun the fact? The fact is that it, it, it can be very hard to figure out the etymology of idioms. Okay, okay. Yeah, all right. That's true. And yeah, I want to tell people... You know, I was thinking... It occurred to me that, like, we present all of the fun factors with a lot of, like, answers. Yeah. But sometimes there's just questions. And, you know, everything doesn't have a, a simple, digestible answer that we can do on the show and sometimes like we start to research stuff and discover that there's nothing it's all a bunch of mess and usually at that point you know i back away from the thing but i thought this was funny and cool so i thought i'd bring it to everyone's attention i totally sidetracked as much as that was true and i was paying attention but i got totally sidetracked by the fact that i was looking up (laughs) ding dongs and wagon wheels and Uh the number of different hostess regional varieties of confection like chocolate covered blob with white stuff inside is somewhat disturbing yeah because they don't sell those in the u.s hohos zingers snowballs and of course there's twinkies which are the the same idea but different but different there's like hordes of these things yeah actually the 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 wikipedia page for chocolate coated marshmallow treats which i will include in the show notes is in and of itself very long this is important this is important stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. People need to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we're talking about what it's called in Turkey. We're talking about Germany. We're talking about Malamars. We're talking, like, a lot of different stuff. Munchmallow. That's a good one. Where is that made? And keep trying Serbia. different variations until they find one that is good. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, they have chocolate fish versions in New Zealand. That's chocolate fish? Not Oh, like the Swedish fish that has, yeah, okay. No, no, no. They're like they're like exactly like wagon wheels, but they're covered. But they're fish. I I really really need to know: Are they fish shaped or fish flavored? <laughs> they have they have scale like ripples. Okay, I'm... it's made of pink or white marshmallow covered in a thin layer of milk chocolate. Okay, so zero, so... low to zero fish content. I'm gonna say it's not fish related. I was actually it's based. For... It is based on their largest freshwater fish, the giant kokapoo. Of course, it is. <laughs> I was actually real quite surprised when I learned uh, that fish sauce actually has fish in it. I didn't know that. I always assumed it was a sauce you put on fish. Yeah, oyster sauce has oysters. That's a good fun fact. You didn't fun fact it, so it doesn't exist. Fun, but, fun fact, fish sauce has fish in it. <laughs> Ugh, I, mean, okay. I mean, when I when I learned that, I figured it was 
one of those, oh, geez, okay, well, it's right on the label. Everybody must know that, but maybe not. You didn't know that, so at least... I didn't. Yeah, fun fact. Yeah. Apparently, there's the Israeli version of this is called a Krimbo. Sure. And there is an Israeli rock band that had a hit uh, called uh, Shir HaMakolet, which means like the grocery store song. Okay. And it mentions a character buying this Krimbo, so... All right, well, we're the... yeah. This article is definitely going in. Oh, and this isn't even this isn't even about like this article. That's not even about chocolate hostess. covered marshmallow tweets. Yeah, you're, this, you're not yeah. even looking at like ding dong. This is like the things that I okay. Yeah, this is a whole nother. What were these freaking things called? And uh, not crembos, <laughs> not whippets. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know what things you're talking about. Viva puffs. That's what I know these as. Viva puffs. Yeah, that's the Canadian. That's the Canadian version of this this thing like like oh. like a marshmallow blob on a little cookie with then with a blob of chocolate in canada or at least that's the brand that i knew as as a kid viva Puffs. Uh, apparently you can get crembos in canada oh, okay well it's a, yeah. there's a <laughs> snack down going on in the chocolate covered marshmallow <laughs> blob market yeah whippets come from montreal yeah i think those are controlled <laughs> canada but i don't know i don't know a lot about them i don't know a lot about whippets <laughs> clearly you know too much <laughs> what? you know nothing <laughs> you clearly you know way way too much what malamars are entirely made in canada oh no for canada okay because 85 percent of all malamars are sold in the new york area. oh and wagon wheels is also a Can- canadian yeah wagon wheels also canadian yeah a brand name used by both burton's biscuit and dare food I just I don't don't fully understand why it is in our globalized economy where so many things is just will become one dominant brand across or at least one dominant style of thing across the whole world and then some things it's like if you go ten feet there's a different marshmallow covered confection or like marshmallow confection and and it's just totally localized like I don't fully understand what makes that <laughs> okay. yeah do we have any follow up there's at least one follow up I want to get to. Well, okay. at least two. Okay. Okay. One, this goes back to a foundational topic on the show, which is WikiHow Corner. And WikiHow has jumped into cultural relevance. Not that it wasn't incredibly culturally relevant before uh, because of our show, but our show apparently has inspired uh, a revolution of, of WikiHow related content on the social network TikTok. Are you familiar with TikTok? Do you know this? I'm not. I'm just searching it and what's coming up is a ugandan silent short film which i'm guessing is not what you're talking about unless there's WikiHow content in that movie uh there might be but what i'm talking about is tiktok t-i-k-t-o-k no that's how it's spelled yeah you typed t-i-k-t-o-k into google and you found a brazilian film no ugandan a ugandan film (laughs) instead of the multi-million user social network yeah, although interestingly enough, when I click on the Wikipedia link in that box, it links to a, site, a Wikipedia page about a mobile media app for making and sharing can you, short videos. Can you link me your search results? I don't know if I actually can. Oh, this is DuckDuckGo. But I can take a screenshot for this you. This is DuckDuckGo? I, it is, yeah. Okay. I'm going to take a screenshot for you. Oh, sure enough. Okay, I'm DuckDuckGo, users TikTok, <laughs> and has a giant breakout. And it is, it is a like there really was a movie with that title and it's right but click on the link okay tick, tick, wikipedia 
<laughs> it goes to the social network. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, All right. Well, that's that go. I'm glad they're. I mean, they're yeah. they're working on it. They're doing they're they're doing important work. They are. They really so are. So TikTok is a social network that is in many ways a continuation of what Vine was, which I think probably most people are familiar with. Vine share sharing short video clips uh, that loop. Uh, TikTok though was really more from its inception about music and so they'll pair music with a with video and then people re re um rebound those clips with the same music but then their video and so originally it would be like people lip lip syncing and stuff but now it's all become memes so there'll be like a particular video which will be like you know and this kind of thing has happened has existed for a long time but tiktok makes it really really easy to do there'll be like a particular song which somebody will use to often like when the beat drops there'll be like some reveal of some kind and so there'll be like you know hordes and hordes and hordes and hordes of people doing the same meme um based on a certain song and so there's some there's some pretty good ones on there and there's like lots and lots of just you're just scrolling through uh hundreds of eight second videos that melt your brain the reason that i am explaining to people what tiktok is and bringing up <laughs> tiktok is um which like to be clear, clear is something that has like uh a hundred million users like this is not an obscure right. social social network so it's just that we're old um but for people in their 20s and teens, TikTok is like the well-known. The reason I bring up TikTok is that one of the memes that's going around right now is people doing WikiHow, like dramatic WikiHow interpretations. And so the format of the meme is there's like the there's like a t- you know tension building music. And then, and, so, and during that tension building music, someone is re- is searching for something that they want to do in their life. Like, you know, how do I get a girl to like me or, or, or something like that. And then they, they navigate to the WikiHow page and there is an illustration of someone doing something ridiculous because the WikiHow illustrations are horrible. And then when the beat drops, then they are enacting that WikiHow photo in real life. Uh, and I am 100% on board. Yeah. With this. And so this is a, I felt like relevant to the show and I'm going to link you uh, on the Skype here. I'm going to link you uh, I'm going to link you the an, an example like compilation of these here, so you can see kind of how they work. And also, this will be very very strange to you because you don't. I, I was kind of surprised that you don't know how TikTok works. So it'll be as weird as the meme is. And then it's also as weird as it's also then now your first exposure to TikTok, which may traumatize you. But <laughs> this is pretty great. They they just scroll down WikiHow, and then all of a sudden people are like doing goofy thing it feels a lot like vine it's very viney i really liked vine so i'm that's exciting oh i see what you mean because it's the same song every yes time. the song is the format yeah that's so cool and then when the beat drops <laughs> one thing that, that, that vine did a bit of which i loved and tiktok has just turned into a machine is this like this format of uh, there's a a song that you start to associate with a certain j- visual joke, and then people riff on that and explore it and do and subvert it and things like that, and it's it's fun. There's one last follow up that we should touch on, which is that the internet apparently is mad about Toronto, and and specifically in our last episode, episode 16, 
They're mad at they're you. They're mad at me in they're particular. Not, they're, 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 not, they're mad at you about mm-hmm, Tamara. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, my description that I find it funny to refer to Toronto as East Coast because it makes people from Toronto mad at me. And apparently that made people from Toronto mad at me. So I guess success. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was clear last time that you find it funny to refer to uh, Toronto as the East Coast. I think what, what I mean, it seemed like it to definitely... me on the last episode... <laughs> Is that you think it's on the East Coast? I don't, mm, I, uh, let's like we can review the tape and see. Did I claim <laughs> it is literally on the coast? Uh, and when I, I was saying it, did I less. seem to find it funny? Um, you suggested that there were only three options: either either the East Coast, the West Coast, or the Center. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I think there's I think there's I more options. That. That. Also, 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 you you said because I recently listened to our last episode again. And you you corrected me and told me that Toronto was a two syllable word. Yeah, Toronto. Which that's three syllables. Uh, no, Toronto. Well, you like I mean you can you'd say like an American Toronto. No, no, I'm not including the T. T's gone. So T's off the table. Still, still. Like what do you say? What do you say? What are your three syllables? Like how do you say it really? Ron and O. You're saying Toronto? Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying Toronto. Like Tron. Oh, o. you're saying it's Toronto. Yeah, or if you or often in a Toronto accent they'll say Trana. Like like they have an A on the end. But Toronto Toronto oh, has but two it's, But it's really like Tron, like yeah, the movie Tron, Tron. And like you might say Toronto, but you it's kind of hard it's too hard to say the T there so you say Toronto. Like Tron-O kind of. Okay. All right. So, okay, we're going to say yes to your Toronto <laughs> feedback and, and no to your it is not on the East Coast. Of and we think we also established that it is on the coast of an island, not it's the, the East w- Coast. It's the of, Northwest not Coast. The it's not, no, no, it's not on an island. It's on a it lake. It's on the East Coast of a it's lake. The nor- it's the Northwest Coast of a yeah. lake. It's not even on the East Coast of the lake. It's on a Northwest Coast of Lake I, Ontario. I think that my, my thing, and, and I think my, my key fact which to be clear i did not stay fun fact for those east coast that would have made people mad no it was just that i think it's interesting that a how we perceive what is east and west is relative yeah. uh, so somebody who's on the west you did coast, suggest that it was an outing to drive from toronto to boston it's dry it's dry it's possible to drive <laughs> i think the relative thing yeah, but it's is, farther is than from here from where i am to and the other thing i think is funny is just the like at what point do you define the coast like yeah. right no that's interesting mm-hmm. but, but but by any reasonable definition <laughs> a, a thousand <laughs> kilometers away from the coast does not doesn't cut it right yeah you, well, no <laughs> how far is it from toronto to quebec city uh i'm actually making uh actually no i i actually will be in quebec city uh in uh a few weeks okay eight hours 38 minutes Still not. Still no, not I mean Quebec City isn't really <laughs> on the coast. Well, I mean it's on the. Yeah, it's on yes. the. So it depends. Also, yeah, I, I think the thing it's all the way down the Gulf of Saint Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what it is in my mind. Is like I think of like Saint the Saint Lawrence as being the coast, even though it like becomes more like a river at some point. It gets it's narrower. For and sure, narrower. just a river. But at yeah. some point, because it opens, it's a up, river that ends up at Lake yeah, Ontario. It, Ah, okay. So you should be arguing that the reason that Toronto is on the East Coast is because the water it's on is 
technically connected to the yeah ocean. that's what i was arguing all the time obviously <laughs> that's technically connected to the ocean and therefore it's on the coast that's I mean, what that's I the said. coast right there i don't know any i don't know any reasonable person who would disagree yeah. except for except for yeah. <laughs> um yeah so you can send your your love letters you can leave a five-star review about how much toronto is on the east coast 